Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of The Instance is listener supported. If you'd like to help, you can go over to patreon.com slash frogpants today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the instance today. We're uh, we're pulling up a chair to a table and talking to an old friend, a pal of the show, and uh, someone we admire a lot here at the instance. It's Russell Brower. Russell, welcome back. It's been too long. Greetings, programs. Yes, it's good to see you all. Not actually <laughs> seeing you, but e-, e meeting you again. Yeah, we're not doing this live. We should mention um, we we often whenever we've done these together, they've always been sort of. Um, a little more casual and not with spotlights or anything. And, you know, it's actually kind of a safe way to do a lot of Blizzard interviews because occasionally somebody in some dev team will say something they're not supposed to and I have to go back and edit it. And it's better to not to do that stuff live. So Yeah, but that's the dev teams. I don't do that. <laughs> no. I, I, I always admired how Johnny Carson always said he only stopped tape, I think, twice maybe wow. in 30-something years. That's amazing, really. So yeah, that's that's something to strive for. It's I funny. Suppose. It's funny you bring him up. I was just watching uh, with the loss of uh, Don Rickles the other day, mm. uh, who was not really my generation's comedian, but I had a lot of respect for him as my parents' generation comedian. Uh, so I was I was interested, and I and I started hunting around, and there is a great scene, or there's a great episode of the of the uh, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson where. Uh, Sinatra is hanging out with Johnny and they're having a regular interview and out of nowhere, Don Rickles comes out of the curtain and interrupts the entire thing and basically just steals the, the rest of the show. Yes. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's classic. It's so good. I, I passed him once in the hallway at Walt Disney Imagineering. He and, um, uh, oh, his name just flew out of my head. Uh, uh, Gilbert Gottfried had just finished doing uh, some shtick, I believe. <laughs> Weird. And... I think it was the two of them. Uh-huh. Maybe it was two separate times. And my my friends from Disney are going to uh, smack me for getting it wrong. <laughs> but the point is, he just kind of walked past me. Um, and everyone in the hallway was invisible. So yeah. apparently he couldn't think of anything nasty to say, which I, I is neither... I don't, that might not be a good thing. I don't no, know. I don't know. Who knows? He's an insult comic. I think you've and... made it when you've been insulted by him. <laughs> That's so unfortunately, true. That's true. I remember more Gilbert Godfrey because when he was done with this voiceover session, he stood out in the middle of the hallway and, and he said, I want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Who here will take me to Disneyland? And one of the one of the interns or something said, well, I'll take you to Disneyland. And, and they went and you wow! Know, Wait a minute. Whatever. An intern, an intern took Gilbert Godfrey to Disneyland, and just Some, yeah, it was it was someone fairly I don't, fairly new in their job there, and just said, "I'll, I'll do it." And uh, that's amazing. Had the ability to sign in to the park and everything. So. <laughs> that's so funny to me. I just this in demanding. I want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> 
He's an interesting guy. But uh, speaking of interesting guys, you guys at home and listening are like, oh, yeah, we know Russell. Everyone knows Russell. But there may be a few of you who don't know that every time you listen to sweeping, majestic, incredible music and sound mixing in the game, you are often seeing the results of Russell's leadership and his team uh, hard at work and in often cases actual uh, compositions from Russell himself. And uh, we're big fans of that here. Uh, as much as we like to talk about what the game is doing, what Warcraft and all the other games under Blizzard's roof are doing these days and what their patch notes say and what the future of the gameplay looks like and all that's fun and great, but we are really big fans of the nuance that all of the music brings uh, from you and Acre and everybody else who's involved over there. Um, it's really incredible stuff. And I just wonder, since it's been probably a year and a half or more since we uh, had any kind of interview, I think it's maybe even been two years, uh how how do you feel about the state of music right now in in the blizzard universe and by that i mean it really has expanded in the last few years to include so much more than just just warcraft just diablo just starcraft it's it's really gotten out there and be, and created a i don't know like a lot more variety you listen to something uh, you know a piece from overwatch and you are listening to something very different than a diablo themed heroes of the storm track uh, you know, versus something that's happening in Hearthstone. Like, it's just kind of a whole new world in a way. Uh, I'm really curious how Phew. you feel about all that. It's pretty crazy. Phew, thank heavens it worked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we fooled him. No. Uh, well, thank you for mentioning the team. I, I would be remiss if I didn't start out by saying that. Uh, so there's a fabulous group of on-staff composers here. Uh, Glenn Stafford, who founded the department, Derek Duke, who's now a project music director, and he actually is, in fact, the music director for Overwatch. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jason Hayes actually recently departed to, you know, go f take on some new challenges elsewhere. But uh, he had been with us up till recently and, of course, is responsible for many wonderful melodies that uh, most people know or don't know that they they wouldn't know that it was who who which one of us it is sure but, uh, sure plus you guys you end up taking i mean so let's say he does he does a riff and let's say it's the the opening to the world of warcraft loading screen from vanilla days and you mm -hmm. guys then have the responsibility down the road uh of one of you or many of you um taking that essence that, that essential melody and turning it into something totally thematically new because the new expansion's all about green magic and you know demon hunters and whatever and but you still have to kind of harken back to that it I well, that's been my particular uh privilege mm -hmm. uh, since i arrived so i I, sh I showed up here uh in june it'll be 13 years and it, it we were we had not quite started the burning crusade then mm. in fact i can recall the very first meeting where i probably said this last time where uh chris metzen told us what the new playable races would be and things like that i can i can still picture him and hear his voice mm -hmm. so uh when that being the first expansion we're sort of scratching our heads as to well should we should we do anything to that login music and i don't think anyone had a real strong opinion either way but it was understood that what was there was much beloved and so it had to um it had to resonate in similar ways with people and organically I, I came up with a just a formula if you will where 
with each one, I try and certainly put in that original 7-4 march that's uh, or 7-8 march that's in that's in the beginning of the of the uh, vanilla wow piece and then somewhere in there i get a little bit of the older themes that people remember Mm -hmm. especially if if they're ones that had not ever been recorded with a live orchestra before and that was really easy several years ago on burning crusade i was able to touch on some of jason's uh like the night elf music and things like that Mm -hmm. and and then some of the new stuff so it's sort of something old something new so the old and, the uh, old original title, uh, which I don't have handy right here, turned into this for Burning Crusade, which I have a little taste of it here at the top here. here the Burning So when you hear that, uh, I'm, I'm curious. Like this obviously has this dun, 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 dun thing happening in it that is different than the original theme. Right. And it's enough to set this fascinates me just from a guy who doesn't know jack about music except he likes listening to it but it strikes me as such a subtle change to the original theme but it absolutely tells you the story that we're heading somewhere specific like it takes you to that next place and it's easy to say that with like pandaria or even you know wrath of the lich king maybe a little because it's got a very cold up north sort of feel to it and it's thematic that way but in the case of burning burning legion it was like or the Burning Crusade, it was like this moment of, oh, all right, it's just up a notch, and the stakes are higher, and we're in a new place, and it's much bigger, and there's demons, and somehow that music is reminiscent of that in every way. Is it the combination of visuals and the music, do you think, and it's just in my head that way, or is the music, does it stand alone in your mind as a way of expressing what the next big thing was going to be? I think the role of the login music uh, should you not click through it, <laughs> uh, is for uh, it's to give you a sense of what journeys you you may or will encounter. I think that the people who listen to the whole thing are either uh, first timers who will be rolling a character and spending some time. Especially now, there are much many more choices to make now than there were in two thousand seven, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so the chance of them hearing the whole thing is is much higher. So that's that's good. And then of course, there are certain times whether if it times out and it goes back to there, I, I, I've I've certainly based the length of it on on the notion that it shouldn't loop so often that it gets annoying. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so if you happen to listen or choose to listen, I want it to take you on a journey and and give you a hint of what's to come. And so that fits very well with the formula of of uh, showing you where we've been and what the new threat is and things like that. In the case of Burning Crusade, it was the first time it had been redone, and uh, the pressure was certainly I was just putting on myself was high. Mm. One thing that's unique about that opening is I purposefully did not look at the score of the original or listen to it for probably a month before I sat down to write it. And so what I did was purely based on my musical memory of what it was. And that sort of merged with what my subconscious was wanting to do to it, Mm. to make it uh, actually kind of the things you said, Mm. I should have you write, 
press release. <laughs> yeah, get me on staff. Will you? I'll, I'll start getting all that PR out there. But but it but it is. I I, I, I mean, can't get any more of you on staff, or else we won't have the instance anymore, <laughs> and that that would be bad. That's true. You got to quit hiring ex instance people. Um, but I I like the I like I really like that idea that that um that these sub- just subtle lifts and changes and shifts in music can make such a big difference. I noticed it also um, in the uh, Warlords of Draenor opening again, uh, also, also very reminiscent of Vanilla, but then very quickly takes on this edge, this darker turn, um, and made it sound like a whole new uh, application of the music without sounding like a whole new application of the music, if that makes sense. Chris Metzen told me he really wanted Warlords to just sound dangerous, mm-hmm. uh, more so than ever before, so that was... That was definitely inspiration there. Yeah. And um, uh, there's another debate that happens every single expansion, and that is, should I go into the 7-4 march immediately mm-hmm. or or what? And at this point now, we've done a little of everything. We've gone right into it a couple of times. In the case of uh, uh, Wrath of the Lich King, it's about 40 seconds before it starts. And, yeah. In uh, fact, that one, I have it queued up here. It's this starts out really, um, I'll start this here. People can hear it. I mean, it's very ominous. It's cold. There's kind of a, you know, the mystery of what's around the corner. Something scary is going to happen. Like definitely that's a different approach than the, than the first two and even warlords and others. But what made you decide that that was the one to ease into rather than just jump straight in? Well, part of it was wanting to establish everything you just described of the, of the feeling of it. But the other reason was I had been sort of scanning people's comments and I, I of course been playing very avidly. So and I noticed that sometimes if you had been playing a while, maybe you had your volume kind of cranked or something like that. And if for whatever reason, like especially, heaven forbid, if, if the connection's lost and it snaps back to the login screen, it could be quite um, unsettling and not necessarily in a fun way right. when that music just came and slapped you in the face for no reason. <laughs> uh, plus then there was the, the roaring dragon and all that so it just uh got it was it was a notion of say what if i ease into it and then people will sort of not have this really jarring moment for for no good reason i mean sure it's good it's good to to uh, have some drama when there's a purpose but yeah uh, i think many a person has been uh in, in the other login screens have been awakened you know finding their head on their desk. <laughs> well, having and it, nodded off. Yeah. And it also, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I remember, I remember when beta happened for wrath or maybe it was just like pre-patch cause they started doing pre-patches to get all the system changes and stuff early. So they could, you know, make sure load balancing was okay and all of that before the actual patch day or the actual expansion day. And I remember when the, the screen changed and I got this snowy Vista with chains near me, some sort of guardrail chains. And I'm looking over, what turned out to be Ice Crown Citadel and everything around you was Northrend and that music eased in the way it did. And I just thought, oh, okay, we're going, we are heading to a very different place. This is not 
the hot, uh, disgusting, sweaty outlands. This is a new place, uh, a colder place, a dark place. And, um, you know, we're going to get this Arthas story. And I knew it from that. Like, I didn't need anything else yet. I tried to stay pretty spoiler-free on most of the content. I always do until I played it. Mm-hmm. But I knew from that this from the the visual, and I knew from that music and that lead up that we were going somewhere cold, and that's I guess to your to your credit and your team's credit this this ability to take these I don't know these places and and package them in a way that we know right from the book's cover what we're getting into, and that is why we enjoy experimenting with it. And even though that's been a subject of internal debate each time. We haven't gone back and, and changed it necessarily. I think the only time I uh, I was asked to change something was, I believe it was on 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 Cataclysm. Mm-hmm. Actually, it wasn't the login. It was, but it was a similar piece of music for a trailer, and I had used a a Celeste for its mysterious sound. And unfortunately, Harry Potter had just come out, and <laughs> everyone on the team associated that sound with harry potter and to me i was just playing against the the obvious part of of what you were going to feel in in cataclysm Mm -hmm. uh and i was doing all this i eventually get into all this rite of springy kind of bombast but um just to sort of um bait and switch you i i lightened it up a little bit in the beginning to just and to me, it read as mysterious, but to everyone else, it read as magic in Harry Potter. Interesting. Well, here's the here's the top end of that. It's called the Shattering. I want to kind of hear it. Again, a very different introduction compared to the previous expansions. Yeah. So I did. Now that I hear it again, yes, I did pull the last out of the top of that anyway <laughs> that's interesting i kind of want to hear the i kind of want to hear that version of it because i kind of i think i understand what you're saying that harry potter sound it's um, in there somewhere i think or it's certainly in the game somewhere but uh, it's one of my favorite instruments so you'll if you don't hear it there you'll hear it elsewhere. you hear it someplace um, else for sure yeah that's interesting i uh, siege of worlds is interesting because of that being the title track for warlords uh, we talked about it a second ago but there's a tribal quality to this that i really like i'm just going to play a tad of that. can you tell me what that thing at the beginning is because that is awesome like, like it is a, it's like there's a horn going off and the uh, horde is coming over the hill and this is it there's blood in everyone's eyes like there's you really captured the whole gritty nitty we were, you know thing. i think both myself and the cinematics sound team were looking for the ultimate like conch horn or or you know, steers horn bellow and uh i'm not positive uh what i what i wound up using there it's it's certainly i, I know i spent a lot of time processing it so it sounded like it was resonating over the mm-hmm. from one side of a valley to the other or something like that and um and and we were actually taking some internal bets as to whether we were going to be asked to remove it because it was really kind of a sound effect. But um, mm. I, I I I predicted it would stay, and and it did. And it I think it it helped set it off. And there's there's certainly um, it helped set it apart from the others. And and of course the brass is just uh, for for that whole expansion. We 
more or less doubled up on our brass horsepower. Oh, interesting. Firepower, maybe is the, the better word. Well, it, I mean, that's definitely those sounds are um, tribal, you know, maybe not tribal, but there's like a, I don't know, they're warlike, I guess. And that expansion was all about that. I actually, I, you know, this is going to be a controversial question and you can choose to not answer this if you'd like, but I want to know when there is an expansion and a bunch of content that is primarily horde themed versus one that is primarily alliance themed do you have a preference as to which is the more fun playground to be in when you're making music i still don't remember which horn i used on that it's um you know there was something about wait what what did you (laughs) see i told you it's good it's gonna, <laughs> I, 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 it's gonna be controversial stuff here because you know the Horde v Alliance thing is never gonna go away. It's always gonna be a bit of a, a piece of conflict. But I, I, and I'm biased, but every time I hear you come up with something, you and your team come up with something that's very Horde centric, I get way into it, and I love well, that tribal beats honestly, and drums and stuff. And it's just my, it's my, it's my bag. But I'm guessing there's Alliance people that feel the other way. Well, absolutely, and and I, I. Uh... I honestly try and keep a balance within each of those uh, login uh, pieces too, because uh, I, I don't want to alienate uh, any players, e- even playfully. Because of course, and that's the only way it would be meant would be playfully. It's it certainly when various people are on stage at BlizzCon and and say for the Horde and or and then for the Alliance and get the two halves of the audience trying to outdo each other it's it's all in fun and i I love that everyone's so passionate about their their favorite factions and everything like that so um in in the case of warlords of draenor it was really about the the story and in order and the way i changed that one up is the march is the key about that march that jason wrote is that it's well it's originally within seven and has been except for in warlords i put it uh in partially in five actually it's it's uh i believe the rhythm is in seven and the melodies in five and it's it's just disturbing because if you think of music that's popular that we listen to most of the time everything is nice and neat and even even if it's a Mm -hmm. a waltz in three uh each phrase usually happens an even number of times or something like that and and uh it's all kind of nice and neat and tidy and safe and as soon as you start throwing in either odd meters or combinations thereof where you put five against seven it it takes a while for the the number one beat number one to line up again it, it's uh it just is unsettling to the to the uh i don't know the the ear that's been trained by hollywood and right television and classical music even it's it's lots of old and fun to use devices like sure that. i guess i'm i'm guessing that it's uh, gimmick isn't the right word but they're they're things that um and you actually you know it's a lot like when other people make mmos they often copy straight up and down what blizzard has created interface wise like the way the mouse works the way the hotkeys and cooldowns work and all that stuff and if you don't you're kind of putting yourself at odds with the player base and they're not going to feel as comfortable sliding into that music's like that isn't it if you start doing too many discordant things unless it makes perfect sense to use them you're just asking to butt up against a 
you know, people's, the way their brains work and they're not, and they're going to feel discordant and not appreciate it for what you were trying to do. I I don't know if that makes sense, but do you understand what I mean? Well, there's a, definitely a, an artistic line to walk, I think, where on one hand, yes, there are certain things that just, I think are part of the universal language of, of music that has developed in us. And uh, I'm sure many sociologists and musicologists have made entire careers on, on, you know, figuring all this out. I'm sort of of the Walt Disney uh, frame of mind, whereas um, I just do what feels right. And then the eggheads will tell me later what, what it is that actually happened. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, in terms of like what, what, what uh, either is going on mathematically or, or uh, what, you know, what's, what's playing on the subconscious or lizard brain versus uh, mm-hmm. what's popular. The, the t- where it comes to the forefront of my thinking is usually in terms of, I think there's a sort of cliche again to, to quote Walt Disney. He, he said corn was corny is great. It's fine. He loves it. There's nothing wrong with it. But I think what he also implied was that uh, you have to be judicious and tasteful about it. And um, I think there's a lot of expectation people have of what a world of Warcraft overture is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's one reason the march is always there. Yes, it's it's in a it's was traditionally in seven because that's disturbing and that's just the the sound of of the beginning of of World of Warcraft. I by putting it in five, I changed it just enough to make the disturbing even more uh, unexpected yeah. and yet still disturbing. Yeah, it definitely has that. It definitely has that quality as someone who, but, an uneducated listener. I can feel that when I listen to it. But th- that's just about as far as I thought it through. There's a real, um, there's a really compelling piece of film on YouTube right now uh, called the Marvel Symphonic Universe. Are you you familiar with no, it? No, I I'm already interested though. Tell me about it. Okay, uh, I I. Uh, this is not about casting aspersions. They, the, there are some amazingly wonderful Marvel films and I love them as much as everyone else. It's purely a musical uh, experiment that some third party did. Uh, this, someone went around uh, and pulled some people sort of off the street and said, can you hum Star Wars for me? And to a person, they just all burst into it in various keys, but they all burst into it. No problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can you do, do Harry Potter? Everyone could do it. Uh, they did some non John Williams stuff as well. And, and, you know, everyone had it down. And then they said, can you now, can you sing something from uh, one of these groups of films? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they sort of start scratching their head and stuff like that. <laughs> you totally and, can't. That's true. And, and then they, they go on basically a little essay about how um, there's a couple of phenomenons that have happened. Uh, one, one is just the, the, the notion of music just being for films being just kind of safe. Uh, and they show how, like whenever there's tension in the scene, the music gets quiet, except there's a very high pitched violin note. Mm-hmm. And then they go and they 
quickly show scenes from about four or five different films, ostensibly all different stories, all different characters, uh, franchises, completely different, but they all have this same thing. And the note is slightly a slightly different note, but it's the same bag. And you start going, oh man. And then if it's if the scene is lighthearted, there's a certain thing, or they show an example where the music really didn't add anything yeah. to the to the scene and was really just sort of cluttering things up. They also show a moment where they the music was actually pretty well spotted and planned, but um, they killed it with unnecessary voiceover and. So it's really fun to see this play out and and what they then the the kicker is they talk about the phenomenon of what we call temp music. And that's when uh, as they're uh, making the film and editing it, the uh, the editors, along with the directors, will take music from films that gives them the feeling they like and Mm. they'll slot it in there. And since nonlinear editing has been created or come into uh, vogue and it's an essential tool now where everything's done on a computer and you can easily drag and drop bits of film around without uh, using razor blades and glue and <laughs> right. tape, right. which I do remember. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's very easy to do the same thing with the music alongside of it. And since film editing, which is like an amazing art that I know nothing about, but I'm really fascinated by whenever I, I see uh, an expose on it or I love hearing Walter Murch, who's also an audio hero of mine, talk about film editing. Um, There's a rhythm to film editing and uh, there's all sorts of wonderful things. And of course, cutting to a temp temporary piece of music helps with that. But as is shown in this little film, uh, it also includes a little mini round table and there's Alexander Desplat and Danny Elfman and Michael Dana and some other folks there in the room, and they're all just wow. riffing on things. It's part of a larger discussion, but there was a section where they talk about temp music, and Danny just says, oh, it's the bane of my existence. And Alexander Desplat says, uh, you know, there's a, always a point where, you know, they've watched this over and over again with a piece of music that, you know, it's from another film, and, and they watch it so many times, the music eventually kind of sticks to it. and they become used to it. And then all they want so then, is that. So if you change it, you come to it with anything original, they're going to be like, no, wait a minute, this, is, this isn't what I wanted, right? Right. And so then they show a series of um, examples of how they, they show they show a, a piece of film with the, with the real temp music that was used during the production of it. And then they show the same 30-second uh, clip with the final music in it. Yeah. And you, you start wondering why there aren't lawsuits going on. No and kidding. in fact, in one in one case, uh, the the uh, film studio took out a an ad in in uh, Variety or the Reporter or something like that, saying uh, we apologize for this. Oh well, that's only happened once. But um, anyway, I, I remember when trailers were like this. Like trailers would come out with uh, like I remember Forrest Gump when it first had a trailer. It came out with the music from the the Bruce Lee biopic that was uh, like a year before that. And I remember thinking, well, that's weird. Like, why has this got that, that awesome, by the way, soundtrack from that Bruce Lee movie? I can't remember the name of the movie. Bruce Lee. Ah. Oh no. Something of the dragon or 
anyway, whatever. Enter the Dragon or I mean, something. It was something, but it was like a it was like a story bio biography thing of him and before he died and everything. Anyway, it was a good movie anyway, but the but the soundtrack's incredible and they used it for Forrest Gump and I went, "Well, that's odd." And it says it turns out Forrest Gump has a really good soundtrack as well, but I you know, I, I I you seem to see a shift right around the time digital editing came along and then suddenly none of these trailers have have uh other movies music in them anymore. They're not always the same music that the film ships with, but there's always maybe it's this temp stuff you're talking about that we're seeing instead. Right. Yeah. And as and as a it's just a very interesting little essay, about fifteen minutes long, uh and it's it's quite an eye opener as to what's happened, and the uh, the filmmaker does a very good job of of saying you know he's not blaming the composers, it's it's more of a a function of kind of a of a rut that the the industry has has fallen into mm. of being safe uh, and and doing what's become expected. So uh, something you said earlier reminded me when you talk about is it okay uh, to, you know, surprise the the listener or something like that? Uh, I remember exactly what you said, but it triggered this memory of this piece because it, it is a line that we walk where we, we want to certainly pull all the right strings and push the right emotional buttons. Right. Yet I think life is too short to not do something original when we possibly can. And, um, uh, I'd say for me, my my version of that is when I arrived at Blizzard, my my job description did not include putting my thumbprint on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was supposed to take this already long. Blizzard had a rich, rich musical legacy and history before I showed up. And so my job was not to brand it my way. Uh, my job was to be part of this team that started in familiar ground and continue continue it develop it remember we always remember that our audience uh perceives each of these franchises as a continuum and uh, i don't think i certainly don't want anyone to say oh this is about when russell joined the company and here's where uh jason hayes went off to pursue other things that would be terrible i think that uh you know it just should be warcraft yeah, and you guys, you guys feel like joint stewards of this stuff. Like, uh, you know, in other words, you can't take it too far in one direction. You can add your own spin here and there, but it can it can't really take away from from that core. And I guess, how do you know where those? How do you know where those borders are? How do you know not to step over one line or another? Is that a collaborative thing, or do you just have an ear for it? Uh, I think it's it's actually fairly obvious for us because the the answer is to just look for the, for when the, the dev development team does something new. So when a, when a new playable race comes along, that was my first opportunity The you know, we created the blood elves and the Draenei as, as new playable races for uh, uh, the burning crusade. Right. And Derek Duke did the Draenei music and I did the blood elf music. And there we had full license, both of us respectively to go where Warcraft had not been before, e- even if the, even if uh, the races had pre-existed, if they just had not been portrayed musically, then that's a, certainly a, a great opportunity to do something new. So I, I, I tell when I speak to students and whatnot, I, I tell them creative collaboration is 
obviously about keeping your checking your ego at the door and things like that. But you don't have to compromise your your principles. And and if you have that desire to not just be formulaic and and uh, sort of add something new and unique to this world, then it's just you, you pick your battles. And what's cool at, at Blizzard is that uh, while Warcraft, for instance, is a continuum, we're always introducing new storylines or either if not new characters uh then characters who might have been fairly minding their own business for a few years suddenly get thrust into the spotlight and uh that's an opportunity to do something fresh and new so i'll bet now now there's an elephant in the room it's an (laughs) it's an elephant adorned with uh Asian influences. It's this. It has become my favorite of the soundtracks. Uh, I love everything about the Pandaria soundtrack. All of it. Every zone, every uh, encounter, everything that was used in raids, the intro, the login screen, all of it is wonderful. And I'm not sure I appreciated it the way I needed to at the time. It was, it was, uh, you know, the current expansion. But in retrospect, it is the one I go back to the most. I love it, and I can't get enough of it. And I'm curious if that was, as I perceive it, the most, um, the the biggest departure from from what you guys have as your as your general template. Yeah, it absolutely was. And uh, uh, forgive me, dear listeners, if I've told this story before, because I have. Um, <laughs> when I asked Chris Metzen what if he could sum up in a sentence or two what he wanted me to know about Pandaria in order to uh, get started in the right direction on, on the music, uh, just guiding this particular process. Yeah. He said, um, you know, the artists and the, the writers and everyone have done a wonderful job of creating a new world within the world and the, the architecture, the iconography, the, the, the banners, the, the cost, everything about Pandaria just screamed Pandaria, and and it's it's uh, there's there's no contradictions. It's it it's just gorgeous. And uh, but he said that he, he wanted to be sure that people understood we're still in Azeroth and the world of Warcraft, and he felt the music was a good opportunity to to do that. So the direction that we came up with was to basically take four specific traditional Chinese instruments and overlay that on a more Western film score, film score style. And it was something that I had, I had first noticed in when I was working for Disney back in uh, the early Epcot days uh, in the, in the world showcase, there's the, uh, China Pavilion with the Wonders of China 360 film, Circle Vision film. Mm-hmm. And so that score was done in probably 1980 or 81. And I sort of pulled that out of my, I did not write that, but I pulled it out of my archives because I collect those things and I uh, listened to it. And it was exactly that. It was a, it was a melding of, Western film score style with this Asian overlay. And 
I, I guess they figured, you know, at that time when Epcot Center opened, there were not that many people had seen a lot of photography of China, much less a circle vision film flying over the Great Wall and following it all the way to the, the coast. Uh, There's some beautiful landscape, but no one, you know, no one in the Western world hardly knew existed there. And sure. it, um, it was really moving. And I guess I just subconsciously filed that away. And so, um, yeah, if anyone wants to go fishing around in Google and look for the original, uh, I say original because it was, it was redone within the last few years. And, and I actually just have to say, I haven't heard it. So Mm. I, I have no idea what it's like, but the original 1982 version of wonders of China, uh, for me, that was the, the, the template. And if I were guilty of doing temp music, that's, that's what I would have plugged in. But, (laughs) but, but what I do is I listen to it and then I put it away and I let it gel for a month or two. Mm. And then usually what I can still remember after that time has passed is just the idea of it. And hopefully not the literal, uh, you know, notes and turns of phrase. Sure. Sure. Well, it's to great effect in that soundtrack it's incredible i um i have thank you we're real real proud of it yeah i think i think everything about that expansion deserves a lot of pride there's it's sometimes it's hard for us as players especially the hardcore out there as they're doing it to appreciate it while it's happening it's often in retrospect you look back and go man that was really a piece of art like more than more than you're usually used to or whatever and that that one really sticks out and um I don't know. It's it's to you and your team's credit. I think aesthetically speaking, the artist killed it. Everybody killed it. It was just an incredible expansion. Well, we all collectively uh, thank you and thank all our players because it, it it was fun, and I'm I'm glad we 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 did that because obviously we had just previously torn the world asunder. Yeah, and that was fun in its own way, but also quite unsettling for folks. And and then after Pandaria, we went right back into the, 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 you know, really the, the hardcore conflict. Yeah. The traditional age old. And not only that, but you took it to a place that was untouched by that conflict previously. And so there was a real sense of, um, it really came through for me, the sense of violation, the sense of, uh, boy, as much as you two factions think this is just about you and yours, you're now you you're now affecting an otherwise unblemished place and and that i don't know that really got with me for whatever reason struck with me and well, still I, does. I, th- I think that in the past uh there's oftentimes well and it happened again in legion where um the two factions have to face up to the fact that they have a common enemy yeah. and uh but in uh warlords i think one of the parts that made it so special is that we got into character development in in a bigger way than we had to date. And of course, I think we're just getting better and better at that and, and more and more interested and compelled to, to go there. It's who's the war chief, right? Right. Who, who's leading the Alliance and, you know, why are they, what, what's all the intrigue with, um, you know, changing war, tre- war chiefs and uh, it's, it's actually some of the oldest stories ever told, but in this universe, it's especially 
compelling. I agree. The person, I, the personal approach to characters, even those who are in in-game cutscenes that you run into during a quest line or whatever, there is definitely I sense an uptick in that. And that, of course, is you know blanketed in music. None of those experiences are told in a vacuum or without some sort of soundtrack. And and I wonder had has that work of creating smaller vignettes and the, the the you know the little bits has that increased over time as well i think so i think we're 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 certainly scoring more for characters and situations than we ever had before i i think in 2004 it was almost 100% zone based music so stormwind sounds like this and yes it it is the soundtrack to the alliance but it's also a very specific location and uh uh, you know, Elwyn Forest sounds like this, and and uh, anyway, there's just all these uh, all these really varied locations in the world. I don't to date, no one had played in an open world so large, mm-hmm. and uh, so the music really helped make the mood of each area sink in, and I, I'm really thrilled with that. And that was the blueprint laid by uh, Glenn and Jason and Derek and Tracy Bush. And uh, I'm going to forget somebody. So forgive me out there. Um, I wasn't here that <laughs> I wasn't here yet, but it was wonderful. And that's how it started. So we, with each expansion, yes, there's new acreage and new zones, but I, I love that with the burning Legion, we had the Legion to contend with. And then of course, by the, most recent expansion, which bears the actual name Legion, uh, Gary Platner actually walked into my office. Uh, he probably his name should be familiar to the hardcore Blizzard fans. He's just one of the most amazing artists I've ever met, creating content, uh, especially content that makes the the world of of Azeroth and and everywhere else just look so like you just want to be there. And uh, he walked into my office one day early on, right after when we just did beginning to start on Legion. And he said, I just have an idea that the Legion ought to have a, a little theme, a little motif, something that you, you would always be able to tell that the, either the Legion had was responsible for what you <laughs> what you're seeing lying in ruins in front of you yeah. or that they're coming yeah. or that they're there it should always be sort of a signature and uh uh it, w- it was simple and brilliant and he's totally responsible for for us doing that and again even in burning crusade even though the legion's present we really had not gone there we sort of uh spent our melody points if you will on uh, on the new playable races and stuff sure. and the legion was just sort of a lot of musical bombast but uh, they they it began to have an identity as uh as the the new expansion legion came into being and now as we make our way through the patches uh the legion gets a lot more personal for sure i, I every time illidan I, I feel incredibly blessed by the way to to uh, associate as a friend with Chris Metzen who created uh, the character of Illidan. I feel blessed to know um, you who's contributed so much musically to what uh, who Illidan is as a character. And I know Liam O'Brien, the voice of Illidan, 
I feel like Illidan is like a real dude. Uh, but in this expansion, more than ever, there's that one part of the theme that's that thing that is just right. always recognizable, immediately invokes, oh, uh, demon hunters, Illidan, there's the de- demon lord someplace. Like there's, you immediately are taken to a place that is his his domain. And it's, and that, it's incredible. I love that. And that little five-note phrase, that's a Jason Hayes theme that originally was, I, I believe it, it it first was appeared as a, a fanfare to kick some piece of music off early on. And it's going to, uh, again, I wasn't there at the time, but it, it was more of a, an intro for the entire uh, piece that that it went with and it wasn't necessarily about any one character and it was in burning crusade that we just as a group decided that that would be illidan's motif yeah. and uh so yes it, it's we we quote it and it, and it has become synonymous with him and he's so complicated oh man i mean that character yeah uh everything about him really <laughs> hard to tell what <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's it's uh, he's he's i mean i when i first uh, burning legion era i wasn't so sure warcraft 3 kind of wasn't so sure he was my guy or not but i really like him now he's so fleshed out and so interesting to watch now speaking of that and those who create these these characters i have to kind of round us down with a a big question uh sure. you've said on this very show and other places i've heard you say it that Uh-oh. in a lot of ways chris metzen was your muse and um, a meeting with him f- to gain inspiration, to find the notes, to to look for theme, uh, would often occur with you both in a, in a room. And now that he's not there, he's he's deep in retirement, raising a new baby, off you know painting figurines from his Warhammer 40k collection. How how has that been? Do you miss? I guess do you miss that influence? Do you miss having him around? It seems like an obvious yes, but I'm I'm really curious about your feelings about it. Well, of course I I I I, I miss him. And uh, I, we're in touch, obviously. We're friends, and and and. But I do miss having him around here, day to day. And uh, and you know, one thing we've gotten so big, and there's so many things going on. And he had actually spent uh, a whole lot of time uh, lending a big hand to making Overwatch what it is. And uh, so. I, I had not worked as closely with him as say Derek had uh, for, for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, what what's really cool about Chris's legacy is that um, he has told, he, he's, he, he would probably deny that he did any of this, you know, deliberately because he, he's so self-effacing and just makes it almost sound easy. But I know he just, He's so passionate about this stuff and lives and breathes it. And I think what he taught me, certainly, and I think pretty much all of us, is he he, he taught us more a way of thinking. So we're, you know, a way of approaching uh, a story problem or a story opportunity, maybe, and things like that. So we're not sitting around going, what would Chris do? We're, we're trying to just sort of resonate with that, that vibe we had when when he was around us and so it's uh you know try and think 
in with a similar sort of approach to a to to a uh, story challenge or or something like that or you know we ask ourselves this is just random but we could ask ourselves well we could tell this story three different ways uh we could tell it with words we could tell it with a whole lot of pictures we could tell it with music um and there's no one right answer to that and uh but i i believe he he sort of instilled in us a just kind of an artistic sensibility and value system and it, it certainly was not very all that different from what i grew up admiring and the likes of uh, walt disney and and george lucas and Sp steven spielberg and, and people like that i i i believe that uh you know it's not necessarily you know one person may be like sort of that that energy cell that that kicks it off but they you know they're surrounding themselves with talented folks and uh it leaves an imprint oh sure so yeah he left I, a, I, I i have I to think he him. left a mark on everybody but in particular those he worked closest with you were certainly one of those I, I i miss him and i and and if i had never met him things would be very different but uh having met him and and got to know him and end up you know considering him like the brother I never had, I, I, uh, I, I think it's, it's made me a better musician and team player and certainly has, uh, it's, it's a part of Blizzard's DNA. So, yeah. Well, one of the great moments of my life was having the both of you at Nerdtacular 2015. It's now been two years since that, uh, occurred. And, um, people, if you're coming, you might get to see Russell again this year. He's, uh, you're planning on being there, right? We're going to have you there. I am planning on being there. Yes. Yeah, it's a, a grand tradition. Don't, don't give my room away. <laughs> yeah, we're hanging on to it for dear life until <laughs> until there anything else changes. But yeah, you'll get a chance to see Russell. Have him sign a CD or something. Um, he's you're always a really gracious guest at that event. And well, it's a privilege to. I have to say, both BlizzCon and Nerdtacular, and 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 even also the concerts, uh, like the video games live concerts and stuff like that. Um. I, honestly, I, I I so much love being there because we sit in our little rooms and do our work, and we wonder if anyone's paying attention, and it can get really lonely. So it's <laughs> it's so good to um, meet folks and feel like these are old friends that I just hadn't happened to meet yet, and and of course at past nerd tacklers and whatnot, I've made some incredible like lifelong friends and and uh you know and even a couple of people such as yourself who are really significant in my life so I'm, I'm i'm very grateful for this whole continuum and universe and ecosystem and uh, just it, it is kind of thing that is it is kind all, of all, all of this it's the greatest thing ever really i mean honestly it's pretty neat and um i don't know but so much of it is so many little parts right and you've got a really interesting part in this and you know, we have some role in this and certainly blizzard as a whole has a role and the fans have a role and, and there's nothing like it. Like, I don't know of any other community that has that kind of connectivity. Um, and blizzard is in large part responsible for it and good people, um, that work there, uh, you know, have a lot of that as well. And that's definitely you, Russell. It's always a pleasure to have you on here and, 
I'm really looking forward to whatever's next. Like always, always interested. Um, every time I, you know, one of my favorite things I have to admit just from an outsider looking in on the music stuff, I love the thematic treatments of the heroes of the storm theme that keep coming out of that team. And I'm not sure who you've got, got on that, gone on there. Who's on that right now. Um, Glenn Stafford. Is that Glenn? Okay. I love that stuff. Like one of my favorite arrangements in blizzard history is probably the Diablo Heroes of the Storm yeah. treatment. I love that so much. And I listen to it all the time. And um, every time a new hero comes out, I'm like, ooh, another chance for those guys to blow me away with some kind of musical arrangement of of this now venerable theme. And I just love that. That must be so much fun. Or a lot of work. I don't know. Or maybe both. Uh, you know what I think you should do? I think you should uh, plan on talking to Glenn. Mm-hmm. I think everyone who enjoys the instance would be absolutely floored by you know getting a a chance to hear what what he has to say about his philosophies and everything i mean you think about some of the things he's written uh just even in my time here like um storm peaks is one of my most favorite treasured things that he's done and it's so amazingly musical so i I think you ought to uh i think you ought to interview him and make sure that he's sitting at a piano or has one nearby because he's a darn good player. And I, I dare say he might be able to sort of have a little fun with that. Oh, that could too. be fun. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay. All right. I mean, I'm taking the, I'm taking up the challenge and I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Anything else coming up that you want to mention to people before we, uh, before we go, you got any uh, stuff people should be watching out for? Uh, well, I look forward to seeing you all, and I, I, I will say, I will say this: I have to change hats, and I, and I have to, to say what I'm about to, to say, because uh, and, and, it's a separate thing. So I'll be very brief about it. But I'm working on a personal solo project of, Ooh. you know, like a solo album of music really and, uh, that's so exciting just, i'm freaking out over here when is this what i'm sorry i'll let you that's talk. all that's all you know I, I that's all i can really say because you know this is uh but maybe maybe at nerdtacular i can talk a little more but it's 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 a completely separate thing and i and i need to keep them separate so that's really um, exciting though that's I'll so have cool to ask for forgiveness later i just <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's new. Just factually speaking, that's that's what's new. Uh, I, I took a little time off recently, uh, a little sabbatical to uh, clear my head. Um, I, I I I I didn't want to retire like medicine. Well, maybe a little bit, just because <laughs> that sounds like fun. That sure, you know, have a new kid and paint, and just paint, be a dad. Wait, yeah. be careful what I wish for. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. You might but, um, get a letter in the mail you're not expecting or something. But I did take I did take some downtime and uh, I just started started letting the creative juices flow and 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 I'll, I'll tell you one thing I did I treated myself uh, it was actually in February before I came back to work I um, treated myself on my own dime up spent six nights up at Skywalker Ranch and I stayed in the Gershwin room oh. at the end you know each room in the end is themed. I don't know if you're aware of that, but like if you're staying in the Norman Rockwell room, each 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 room being named after some artist or musician or I had no idea. No, that's or you know, that's... director, there's an Orson Welles room. If you're staying in the Norman Rockwell room, 
you'll look at this Norman Rockwell, you know, print on the wall and just be going, man, that's, wait, wait, that's not a print. Holy cow. You know, it's like, there's a real, and, uh, wow. so it's, uh, not Gershwin's piano that I, I, that was a little probably beyond the possibility, but there's a Busendorfer piano in the room and, uh, you know, and there's a, nice place to sleep and there's a kitchen and there's this piano and you're on the ranch and in february it was pouring rain so it was just really beautiful in fact i, I made some audio recordings of the rain it was it sounded so gorgeous outside and so for like seven days i just played and wrote and played and wrote and uh there you have it so wow. I, I hope to uh that's really cool I, yeah i assume you know, when i'm wearing my civilian hat just uh, for one mode of of, uh, of relating news, I'll, I'll uh, be able to hopefully to share more of that. Yeah, I'm very, I'm really curious about how that goes. This this reminds me. It's funny. I'm having all these memories of when Chris would have a cool side project, like when he worked on his comic book work for IDW, or when he put out that mm-hmm. kids book. Uh, I was really excited then, and now I'm super excited. Music from Russell is a good thing, no matter where it's coming from. So more on that as you know it. And, of course, continue to enjoy him and his fine uh, team's work all over the world of Warcraft and various games under the Blizzard umbrella. Russell, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And to all the Instance listeners, I just am so uh, fortunate. I, I adore you all, and I hope I get to meet every one of you eventually. Oh.